The Chiefs have finished first quarter of this NFL season, first quarter plus a game now that it's 17, now that I think about it. Where are they? Where are they going? Matt Derrick is here from Chiefs Digest today to give us the lowdown. Welcome to Locked On Chiefs. From the land of the free and the home of the Chiefs, this is the Locked On Chiefs podcast. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks for making us your first listen. Grab another Locked On show for your second. Check out the draft show. I just went off the other day. You probably don't want to miss that because I could look very stupid in a couple of months or I could look super smart. Your choice, whatever you like. I'm Ryan Tracy, the founder of Rogue Analytics and Performance Consulting, as well as RGR Football, NFL33.com, and whatever else I can come up with. And this is the guy who tells us the way it is. This is Matt Derrick from ChiefsDigest.com on the Chiefs beat every day, every week, all the time. Matt, is there anything better than coming off a win against Tom Brady? I just want to know. I'm sure Chiefs fans would probably like to come off a win against the Raiders too, but went on the road at Tom Brady and the way you did it, pretty good day. Yeah. I mean, and, and we were live post game, folks. If you'd missed that, go go watch that again. It's always an adventure when we're live, uh, right. especially, especially after this one. Uh, on retrospect, I thought that a lot of it played out the way that, that we thought it did. A, a couple of things stood out to me as little differences in, in both performance and playtime. Um, but I keep coming back to the fact that maybe since the rain game in Buffalo, what, three seasons ago, this was the most that we've seen Andy Reid make a concerted effort to attack on the ground, to be physical and roll all those things together. I'm starting to think it wasn't just an overreaction to the Indianapolis Colts game. Is this is this something more about how he gets the best out of the offensive line? Uh, I think it is. I mean, you know, there's absolutely no doubt. I mean, Andy Reid challenged not just the offensive line, but Clyde Edwards Hilaire afterwards, you know, gave it away. I mean, he felt like and the team felt like when they were challenging the offensive line, they were challenging the entire team to be able to run the football and to do some things more effectively. And there's no doubt. I mean, I think you're right. It was not just a reaction to the Colts game, but it was really about trying to set the tone for the next few weeks going into the bye week. I mean, as a coach in the NFL, you can only hit the whip so many times. You can't do it every single week and for 17 weeks and games and go into a playoffs because after a while, it just won't resonate with the players and you don't have the the mental and physical stamina to maintain that. You got to know when to time it right. And I don't think there was any doubt. I mean, that Andy Reid thought it was time to deliver a message last week. He delivered a challenge to this offensive line. And yes, you got that performance for one game, but I think he's also hoping that it's going to spill over for the next few weeks. And if a, a factor of that, because there were certainly some things that they did differently in the run game, that went beyond just lighting a fire under some guys and trying to get a one-game performance. There were some more fundamental changes that I think that Andy Reid's hoping will mean that this team is more effective running the football because that was something that they said all offseason is that wasn't they like they were going to run the football more. They just needed to be better when they were running it. And for the first three weeks of the season, they weren't. But against the Bucks, they were. Well, I think you, you lay out something that we should come back to in another segment because I think there's more to it just about – the way Reed coaches and when you have to step on that pedal to, to elicit that response. We'll we'll go back to that here in a bit, folks. But along with the run game, I thought it was also really telling that it was quick game early, something we've been preaching here and on RGR football. It was use the tight ends to the best of their abilities, try to get them all involved. It, it seemed very much, let's get as far away from the last two seasons that we possibly can in one game plan and execute that and see where we get this. If that's true, in your opinion, does that mean that they have to go back to that this week? 
I mean, I honestly would go back to this every single week. I mean, <laughs> you know, I, hey, Tampa, Tampa invented the defense that stopped the Chiefs offense, or at least slowed it down. And teams that most, you know, eloquently copy what the Bucs did are the most successful against the Chiefs. And you saw that the Chiefs can counter that. They have picked up some solutions. They have figured out some things to do that. And they're going to see more of it against teams like the Raiders are going to do that. I mean, they're going to throw the cover two at the Chiefs and see whether they can, if they can defend it. And the Chiefs know how to beat it. And the way you, you beat it is exactly how they did it the other night. You run the football. You take advantage of the short intermediate game. You take your shots downfield judiciously when you think you've set it up and it's there. But you just just brutalize teams with efficiency and that's what this team did and when they do it i don't think there's any i don't i don't think there's any stopping this team it's just a matter of being focused sticking to the plan executing it well and you can replicate that performance that you had against the bucks over and over again to me i have to think so too and in replicating i think you can probably in, improve your efficiency in one area in particular and it's one that we've been talking about all off season I felt like there were a couple of decent things that happened in the past game from the wide receivers specifically, the non-tight ends and backs. But I felt like there was a lot of meat left on the bone after this ball game, And just understanding the little bit more balance brings you a little bit more opportunity. Finishing plays, completing routes, all show that I think there's still upside in the pass game as well. Can this be a, a, a throttling, a, a surge for that part of the ball game? I think it can too. Absolutely. And to me, you know what? I mean, if I'm, if, and I, I, I mean, I still have the philosophy that I think the thing that Patrick Mahomes is most addicted to is winning. And, and, and a part of his maturation as a quarterback is going to be, you know, realizing that sometimes boring football is winning football. And you know what? Scoring 41 points is pretty fun too. doesn't matter how you do it. But if you can consistently put up 40 by running and playing efficient football, that why wouldn't you do it all the time? Mm -hmm. I mean, I get that fans love the fact that Mahomes likes to push the football, but I'll tell you what, that pushing the football to Clyde Edwards, that wasn't what that was. That was just, you know, Mahomes magic. It wasn't a 75-yard bomb, and I'll tell you what, that was probably still one of the most crazy plays I'm ever going to see on a football field, and the, what, the ball only traveled about three yards in the air. Right. <laughs> and I'm sure PFF will probably say, oh, it was a soft toss. It wasn't that hard. You know, that was a minus-two throw. Um, but I mean, to me, that is satisfying football and it wasn't very exciting necessarily because you look at the numbers and Mahomes' numbers were not gaudy. There was nothing, you know, about it. I mean, Tom Brady, if you look at the numbers, had better numbers than Patrick Mahomes, but Patrick Mahomes won the football game because he was brutally efficient. And to me, I mean, the more football you play like that, the easier your life is going to get. And you know, I get, you know, the tendency to want to push for the big plays. That's what everybody likes to play football for. You like the big plays. But, man, I, give me more of what you saw Sunday night because that's going to win you a bunch of football games. I think you're right. I think it's a thumbs down from PFF and a thumbs up from LeBron James. And I think that goes a little bit farther. By the way, if you guys missed my tweet yesterday, Travis Kelsey caddying for Steph Curry in the, the latest golf game from uh, EA. Really interesting there as well. Um, that's all satisfying. And you said satisfying earlier. And it really clicked for me. I have a topic I want to get into around that word after this. And we tell you guys about one of the easiest ways to get yourself somebody that you want to hire and get that done. As you gear up for fall, you need to find the right people to help your team and your small business fire on all the cylinders. LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier for you to find the people that you want to talk to faster and for free. 
I'm always looking for good content creators, graphic artists, et cetera, et cetera. It makes it simple to just create a job in minutes on LinkedIn jobs and reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. You add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame comes in on your LinkedIn profile and it spreads the word to your network as well as others that you're trying to find the right people to hire. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the candidates that you want to talk to faster. Did you know that every week 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free on linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Sometimes the beard gets away from me and there it just happens, folks. Uh, now, as we get back into getting getting a job is one thing, thanks to LinkedIn jobs. Um, but being satisfied in that job is a whole different aspect. And it wasn't just the offense. I thought the defense has to be pretty satisfied with the way they played as well. We'll talk about the specifics. But knowing that, even though Tom Brady, I think I looked it up on plays where he was not pressured, got the ball out in 2.09 seconds this ballgame. Pass rush didn't have a whole lot of chance, but they still got some things done, particularly with Jerry Sneed. That has to leave you satisfied that even though they give you their best, their quickest, their, their most difficult to counter passing game, you're still able to come out on top. That feeds a team, and, and satisfaction with your performance against the Bucks bleeds over to the Raiders, bleeds over to the Bills, that goes on and on and on. Can they maximize that, and do you think that the defense sees just as much positive out of this physical ball game as the offense did? Yeah, I, I mean, I've, I'll say it. I mean, I think this was probably one of the better 31-point defensive performances you're ever going to see <laughs> because – I didn't feel like I mean I never felt like the Bucks were in this game. I didn't feel like that the defense was breaking that much. Um, if anything, I mean I felt like that that the Chiefs gave up a lot of garbage yards in the fourth quarter that didn't really mean anything. Um, but I think I think the Bucks had 295 yards of offense through three quarters, and that's going to win a lot of football games against, especially against teams that good. I mean, remember the Bucks were pretty much in. All throw mode from behind from the second possession of the game, and they didn't really do a whole lot with the football. Um, I mean, my only critique from really cracking the numbers and everything, looking after the game, was you know about the pass rush. But like you said, if Brady's getting rid of the football in two point zero nine seconds, there's no time for a pass rush. So you know the only the only even slight mistake that I thought that that Steve Spagnuolo made in the game, and I think we may have talked about it in the post game on Sunday, was he tried to throw a knockout punch just before halftime by going after Brady with the blitz, and they didn't get it, and it didn't end up costing them. So it wasn't a big mistake, but I don't know if I saw the point in that because, as you said, Brady was trying to get rid of the football you're probably not going to to get him unless it's on, you know, another one of those sneaky blitzes that they disguise pretty well with Legereus Sneed, who's just a great blitzer. Let's give him that. Um, but it, it seemed like a low percentage shot at trying to get that knockout punch and it didn't cost him. So maybe that's okay. But otherwise I thought that the entire defense, you know, played well. And let's not forget that. I mean, it wasn't just, you know, that the bucks were behind that pushed them into all throw mode. It was also looking at the Chiefs defense and saying, we're not running the football efficiently, so we're just going to shut it down. They gave up on trying to run a football. And if you can force a team to do that, you're doing something right. Yeah, I, I Just putting the quit into them changes the whole dynamic of the ballgame on, on every phase of it. 
at the end of the day, I, I can hear everybody. I hear you guys thinking right now, but Matt, they gave up 31 points. Explain why, yes, that's true, but no, it's not a concern. It's not a concern for me for really a couple of reasons. I mean, and, and, and one is that, I mean, I get it if you want to look at this and say, hey, the Bucks hadn't been all that in a bag of chips offensively for the first three games of the season, and this is an outlier. Well, yeah, guess what? Mike Evans was there. I mean, that was it. You take Mike Evans out of this game, and the Chiefs probably win it 54-3. to I mean, he was that important to this team. I mean, and you see what a difference that he makes when he's out there. Um, so that doesn't bother me for that because I think that this was probably one of the better, if not best, offensive performances you're going to see from the Bucs this year. The Chiefs only gave up 31, and they were never challenged. So the fact that, you know, one, I think that they looked good, and two, this game is never in any doubt, even though maybe they did give up some, some garbage yards and points at times. To me, that doesn't bother me. I mean, if you're going to give up some yards to, to Tom Brady, guess what? People have been doing that for 22 years. So it doesn't bother me. If you get a W on the road at Tampa the way that they did, I that to me is a winning defensive performance. I, I agree. And, and at the end of the day, honestly, a couple of plays, and this is a 48-24 ball game. It, it's, it's not anywhere anything. So <laughs> the performance is, is one thing. How you repeat it and where you're going is another. We're going to get into that if we tell you guys the easiest way and probably the best way from our friends over at Bet Online. When you need to get into the action, Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to check all your betting information for all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one source for all the odds, lines, games, and everything you need to get your money on the line in a smart way that gets you ready for whatever season you're looking for, whether it's this football season, could be baseball, NFL, NHL. NBA, even the golf and the combat sports are there at Bet Online. It continues to be the top resource for all of your sports wagering information, your live in-game betting, podcasts, scores, everything that you need to get covered. Head over there to Bet Online. It's easy to get to their website from any device, including your phone. It's Bet Online, where the game starts. At this point, Matt. We're quarter way through the season. Like I said in the, in the intro, I know it's 17 games, folks. We'll, we'll do the math later. Eight o'clock Monday, we'll be there. <laughs> right, yeah, we're, <laughs> we're good. As far as I uh, as I take stock of what has happened in the first quarter, that's what I always try to do that after week four. They're right on track. I, di I didn't have them beating the Bucks. I didn't have them losing to the Colts. But in the wash, it's come out that they're three and one, just like I, I had thought. In order to keep them on track, for what I think has to be the potential of a 13-win season. I know it's a little bit slower than we had hoped for the, the, the accumulation of points here, but just taking the big picture in a quarter of the way, how do you feel about where they sit right now? Well, I mean, it, and just looking at it on both sides of the football, I mean, one, uh, you had a lot of people who were wondering where this team was going to be without Tyreek Hill and how quickly they could put things together. Well, here they are four weeks into the season, and they have the second-highest scoring offense in the league. They're doing okay without Tyreek Hill. And I, I, and I think, once again, I mean, their best football offensively is still ahead of them. They should continue to get the new guys like Marquez Valdez-Scantling and Juju Smith-Schuster. They should continue to get them acclimated into the offense so that they're more comfortable, that their numbers should be better going through the season. Sky Moore is going to contribute more at some point. You saw he had a, you know, to me, uh, his development is right on course. 
for me and what I was expecting from him this season. And the plan for the Chiefs all along was just to continue to bring him along slowly, get him some some reps here and there, get him some packages built into the offense so that after the bye week, he can start to have a little bit bigger role. So to me, you know, hold hold the hold the phone on the on the Sky Moore report card because I think you're going to see a lot more from him in the second half. Um, so to me, offensively, there's there's room to grow. Uh, defensively, I think this team is light years ahead of where anyone expected it to be. I think it's even ahead of where Steve Spagnolo thought this defense was going to be. You know, he wasn't really sure where they were, you know, going to be as far as early in the season performance-wise. And you know what? I mean, I get it. You're looking at some of the numbers. They're middle of the pack, but you know what? With the way that they've played, especially considering you know that they've been going up some against some teams that have had good offensive days, some you know, and and some good offenses. Period. I mean, really, the only thing you could possibly throw out there was uh, is the Colts game. And again, I mean, I think they gave up 13 points in that game defensively. That was not on the defense. So to me, I, I'm very pleased, and I think that the ceiling is is higher for this defense as well. I think they're going to be better in the second half of the season than they were in the first quarter. Well, and we have to remember too, they've lost and we'll soon get back within the next four weeks, six weeks, something like that. Both Trent McDuffie and Willie A. Jr. So it can only improve just from the personnel package that you're able to put out there. That's what I'm banking on. And that's a good thing because right now, a lot lot of folks are coming back to things that I said after the Super Bowl and, and throughout the off season. And that was specific to Odell Beckham Jr. And I said, with the timeline, you know, mid-October is when the time you want to reach out to him and sign him before everybody else wants to sign him. Unfortunately, folks, the way the season has gone, and Matt, I just looked it up to make sure, the Chiefs are sitting at 746K available on the cap. That's it. Um, <laughs> a, if it wasn't for the cap, would, would you think that as the performance for four games would warrant maybe trying to go out and add a little bit more firepower at the wide receiver position. Well, you're right. I mean, you know, the salary cap is the biggest detriment to that. I mean, the second detriment to me would be, even though I think OBJ is in a certain different category, um, I think that we have proven with some additions over the last few years that coming in late to an Andy Reid offense is not the easiest thing in the world to do. This isn't the Rams. This isn't some other offenses. This is Andy Reid. And I'm still going to think that no matter who was walking through that door, if it was Jerry Rice in his prime, I think he'd have a hard time getting into Andy Reid's offense midseason. But if you, hey, if you're a Chiefs fan and you want to have that out there and you want to consider the possibility, I will say this in, in the words of Eric Bieniemy: the ability for the Chiefs to make a move like that Rest in the hands of two people. Brett Veach has got to be willing to make the move, but where do they get the money? There's only one place, and that's reworking Patrick Mahomes and moving his deal around, which they have not done yet this year. I mean, that is a break, in, a break glass in case of emergency, but if Patrick Mahomes wants to get it done and OBJ wanted to be in Kansas City and Brett Veach thinks it's a good idea and Andy Reid signs off, it's doable. Do I think it's likely? I think it's I think it's a tough fit. You just said but, four ifs. It can't be well, likely. <laughs> there's yeah, you start multiplying the odds together there. And yeah, it's 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 I mean, if I had to put percentages on it, you don't the percentages wouldn't be good. But I'm still I'll, I'll say there's still a chance. 
<laughs> well, I know the fans are interested in folks. Just, just to clarify, I said all this before the signings of Smith Schuster and MVS. So like, let, let's take it down there. The, there's the a intrigues. few more ifs with if he's healthy and he wants to be <laughs> right. here. So yeah, it's a long you add, list. You had like seven more ifs to that. I, I think the return of the defensive players though, bringing more balance to the other side only makes what we saw against the Bucks more likely and more sustainable. And so that maybe that it isn't even really required at this point. You, you'll you'll take some growing pains maybe um, with your two signees. I, I still feel like um, Juju's not quite running through every route. He doesn't quite understand that really it's it's never over until the play is really, really over. Um, so I, I think there's some upside there. I feel like after Travis, and I was glad to see that they got Jody and uh, Nogre involved, just take some pressure off of him. I think after Travis, what I want to see in the next quarter is feeding Juju a little bit more. Do you think that that is, a, a, a good idea, or do you think that puts too much stress on a guy that has had a couple of injuries over the years? You know, like, do you want to save that till later in the season if you're Andy Reid? I, to me, I mean, no, I don't think there's any saving it because I, I think that anything that you can do to take the workload off of, of Travis at any point is a good idea. I mean, you the, if there's anybody, the one guy that you need fresh and healthy in January and February, it's Travis Kelsey. And if that means, you know, hey, you try to feed Juju a little bit more, even MVS, a little bit more right now, I think that's a good plan. So, yeah, I, I think you're going to need all those guys. So, to me it's time to feed them and find out a little bit of what they got and put some things on their plate. So let's see. Um, you know, Juju, I mean, right now he'd be on pace for about a, what, 900 yard season. Mm -hmm. That's in a first year and Andy Reid's offense. That's really good. I mean, I've got no complaints with his production so far, um, you know, for expectations. I mean, MBS is probably there too. Although I, I thought that with the, the connection and the chemistry we saw with Patrick and MBS, I mean, I wouldn't have been surprised if he was the leading receiver ahead of Juju at this point. But, mm -hmm. you know, certainly I think Juju has established himself as amongst the receivers group, the number one target. Uh, he's been the, and I think that's just even from a performance from, you know, catch percentage, anything you want to look at it. I mean, that's, that's the guy. Um, but they're going to continue to spread the football around. So let's see what happens. I mean, I think that there's, I still think that that's a deep group. I think they can get a lot of production from it. Um, you need to get everybody healthy. That's part of it. And everybody's banged up a little bit right now. So maybe that bye week, having an early bye week won't be a bad thing if it gets that receiver group in a little bit better shape. But yeah, I mean, to me, anything you can do the earlier to spread the ball around and make life easier for Kelsey, I think will be payoff in the long run. I, I'm with you there. And, and we're into the second uh, quadrangle here, we'll call it quadrangle plus. Um, so that's that's the trip to get into the bye. So just from where they are now, looking that you have the Raiders, you have the Bills, which are the two, I mean, hallmark games here. How do you feel about the prognostication that you can give us right now for the next four games? Yeah, uh, you know, I mean, you you said, hey, your, your Chiefs being three and one is where you hope that they would be. Um, There's a lot of people thought they might be two and two at this point. I mean, it, when it wasn't necessarily the way you thought that they might get there, but Sitting at three and one, particularly when you look at the rest of the league and where everybody is, I think that's in pretty good, decent shape. Um, they've got some, uh, you know, this stretch of three games to open the season oh, behind them. They've got this three game stretch going into the bye week, which you went into it uh, once again. I mean, how many games do you expect the Chiefs to win in this? Originally, I think a lot of people would have been happy if the Chiefs won one of these three games. 
I, I think that it's reasonable to think that they should win at least two of them. And I, I, I wouldn't bet against them to win all three. I mean, you beat the Raiders, Bills, and go on the road to the 49ers. I mean, I think two of those will be tough games. And and you certainly don't want to make the Raiders game tougher by overlooking them and looking mm-hmm. towards the Bills. But regardless, I mean, if the Chiefs are sitting at six and two or or seven and one going to the bye, I mean they're going to be the team to beat. I mean, that, that Bills game is going to determine a lot. And if the Chiefs win this, I mean, Chiefs are going to be the favorites the rest of the way in the AFC. And everybody's going to be coming after them even more than they have been. Yeah, and that's what it comes down to. So you have, you have three of the next four at home. And yes, there's the bye week in there, folks. I'm just talking about the first eight games, so the next five through eight. You have the Bills, obviously. That's that's the highlight. I don't think the Titans are what we expected them to be. So I, I don't expect that to be a, a tough contest, to tell you the truth, especially at home. So I still feel like if you just go three and one in this next quarter, you're still on track. Even though the Bills are down, if they play you tough every time, we'll talk about that game coming up, folks. Don't miss that. But I, I feel like right now they're perfectly on track to be in the hunt for the number one seed. To clearly, all of the demise of them not winning the AFC West has been clearly overrated, folks. Right now they're in the driver's seat. That's the way it's, it looks to stay to me. If you had to name one thing, Matt, that they have to watch out for, is it? underestimating teams in this next four games? Oh, I, I think there's no doubt. I mean, I think that complacency is this team's biggest, you know, opponent. Um, you know, they being the hunted gets tiring and it is hard to be up for every team, especially when you're getting every team's best shot. And certainly depending on how the, you know, these next few games go is going to, you know, depend a little bit. I mean, I still think in the first quarter of the season, you know, most of the teams, if not all the teams the Chiefs faced, this was a game they got up for. I mean, this was a game that they circled at the beginning of the year that you want to try and win that game because it mean, it, it's going to tell people and announce people that you, you're there, that you're a contender if you beat the Chiefs. Um, this next quarter, I mean, they've got, I, I, you're right, the Titans are not what they've, looked like at the beginning of the season. I mean, they, they certainly look like they're maybe taking a step backwards. Um, the 49ers looked salty. The Bills, you know, want to win that game. And that's going to be the toughest game on the Chiefs schedule the rest of the way. But after that, I mean, depending on where the Chiefs are, if they're five and three, then fighting complacency is not going to be that hard because they're going to know that they need to win some ball games in the second half of the season. At six and two and seven and one, and now you're looking at the rest of that schedule, the Chiefs are seven and one. After the at, at at eight games in, and you're looking at the back end of that schedule, I'm thinking 15 and two, bare minimum. So, you know, I mean, that's but that's but that means you've got to be ready every single week, and we have seen it. If the Chiefs show up and are not ready that week, good team can beat them. Yeah, absolutely, and, and heck, a mediocre team to tell you the truth. Jags are on the way up. They have them on the the Rams, obviously have potential there's always something folks we're going to talk about each and every one as we get to it and yes it is Raiders week you will hear more about the Raiders tomorrow Chris and I will have our preview but Matt I'm going to give you one chance just in case you want to do it early I know you like to do your previews late but just in case you're feeling it right now how do you see this game going yeah I I I I think there's going to be a little carryover of confidence from that Buccaneers game. I don't think that, that 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 this team is ready to have another letdown, even though they've got that Bills game and everybody knows that Bills game's coming around the corner. I don't think that, that you know Andy's going to let them forget that the Raiders are coming in. I mean, there'll be enough little reminders, and you know, even if it means somebody making some buses, you know, driving around the stadium joke right. to make sure everybody shows up. 
I don't see the Raiders sneaking in here and surprising anybody. Uh, I think the early spread I've seen is like six and a half, seven. I mean, I'm very bullish this week. I don't think that's going to be a factor. I mean, I think this team's going to roll pretty comfortably. I might get more pessimistic later in the week, but right now, 31-13, Chiefs. Oh, I like it. Folks, you can find him at Matt Derrick on Twitter and at ChiefsDigest.com online for all of his work and all the inside that you need to know what's going on with the Kansas City Chiefs. Thanks for joining us today. Chris will be back with the inside info tomorrow and then Friday. It's preview. Thanks for spending your time with us. We will talk to you then.